clap your hands, everybody, and lift your voice and give God some praise. Are you excited to be in the house of the Lord tonight? Come on, let's try that one more time. Anybody thankful to be in the house of the Lord on this Friday night? Have you come to magnify Him? Have you come to bless Him? Somebody shout hallelujah. You can be seated for just a quick moment. I want everybody as loud as they can to say the word brothers. Shout brothers. Brothers. Shout it loud. Brothers. Brothers. Orville and Wilbur. How would you like to have that as a name? In 1896 began their quest of experiments in flight. When at their bicycle shop in Dayton, Ohio. Wind. Everybody say wind. Wind. Sand and a dream of flight would eventually bring them to a beachside in Kitty Hawk, North Carolina, where after seven years of experimentation, they achieved the first successful flight of a plane in 1903. It's with courage and perseverance, these self-taught engineers relied on two things, teamwork, look at your neighbor and say, I need you, and application. Everybody say, the word of God alive in me. And so what they achieved changed our world. They taught us how to fly. The reason they selected this location in Kitty Hawk as their proving ground was because of a constant wind that added a specific lift to their aircraft. And the wind was much more consistent there than at their home place. It did not change the need for home. Everybody needs a home. But this place served as a launching pad for one of the greatest avenues through which we travel on a daily basis. And I can't help but to believe that's somewhat, if not the reason we are here tonight. We have come tonight. We've got a great house. We've got a great home. We have great churches. We have a great pastor. But there is something special about winds conference that this place has a certain wind this house right here right now is a launching pad for miracles signs and wonders you've prayed about being used at your home you pushed back the plate in fasting for god to open doors for you at home but you've gathered here in palm bay florida for such a time as this because there's a spirit of desperation in the heart of this generation we need the wind of god in our lives things that you have placed in the practice on a daily basis under the leading and the guidance of your local pastor and your local church family I believe tonight God in this house in this atmosphere is going to thrust you into a spiritual climate that you've only dreamed about I have not seen ear hath not heard I just want to tell somebody on this opening keynote address you're in the right place at the right time with the right God and just like it was in Acts chapter 2 when the day of Pentecost was fully come they were all with one accord in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty 
and it filled all the house where they were sitting and there appeared unto them in cloven tongues like as a fire and it sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They were in a certain place waiting on a certain wind and I've come to encourage somebody tonight if you'll stand your feet right now and throw your hands high towards the heaven I believe by the power of the Holy Ghost and by the wonderful matchless name of Jesus there's going to be a certain wind that's going to lift you up into a heavenly place where the Lord's going to anoint you where God's going to use you anybody want the wind to blow anybody hungry for God's power tonight I wonder if somebody can shout yes come on I wonder if somebody can lose yourself from all the cares of this week and laying aside every weight and sin and press in for just a moment. I encourage you to find a place in this altar as we go into a time of worship and get ready to lift your voices. Get ready to lift a song of praise. I feel the wind blowing. I feel the Shekinah glory of God in the house. Come on, have you come to receive it? Have you come hungry for it? Come on, everybody, lift your voice. One mind, one accord in one place. Let the wind blow. Let the wind blow in this house right now. Come on, let the shout of praise. Let the shout of praise. Let the shout of praise in this house. Hallelujah. Come on, we come to lift up the name of Jesus. We come to make a praise that makes heaven dance and makes hell tremble. We come to break every chain in this place. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchased of God. Born of the Spirit, oh, I'm washed in His blood. Said I can't stop singing oh, This freedom song oh, I'm praising my Savior On the table, on the table I got a song and I'm singing loud I praise it for now I praise it for and now And I will dance And I will dance in the freedom
How many is excited to be at Youthquake 2021? Everybody sing, no one like you. Everybody sing, no one like you. We're dancing, no one like you. Everybody sing, no one like you. Compared to your grace and mercy,
you, Jesus. Hallelujah.
for this conference amen I'm so thankful how it reaches everyone it reaches every one of us both young and old both men and women and how it has been calling us this week each and every one of us to a deeper devotion in Jesus amen can you say amen when I met our next speaker she was a young Bible quizzer and has been a Bible quizzer for about eight years. Can I get all the Bible quizzers in the house to say amen? Hallelujah. So I know that she knows the word. It is hidden in her heart. She's also a worship leader at her local church, Woodlawn, Columbia, Mississippi, pastored by her parents, Jaron and Holly Carney. So I know that she is sensitive to the spirit of God and to the movement of God. And as a member of her youth team, also a young group, she's a small groups leader. She has taught young people and has led many to Jesus. And I know that she has a word for you tonight. Will you help me stand and welcome Sister Jane Claire Carney. Hallelujah. I'm so honored to be speaking to you all tonight at WINS Conference 2021. I can honestly say I'd never dreamed to be right here. I'd like to thank uh, Pastors David and Avi Myers and their church for hosting this wonderful conference. If you've been ministered to, can I get an amen? I know that I've been ministered to so, so much. I'd also like to give honor to my dad and my pastor who is with me tonight. I love you, dad. I'd also like to give honor to my grandfather, the late Bishop James Carney, who passed away in February of this year. I wear his tie as my belt tonight. He left quite a legacy for me. 
I am not here to drop this huge theological bomb on you guys, but I am here representing my generation who's being attacked by confusion on all sides. And I know I'm going to allow God to use me. There's absolutely no way that I can do this without him. may be seated. Trust me, when I saw the great lineup of ministers that we have over here, you can imagine, I was a little stressed. But I went to God in prayer and began seeking out His will specifically for tonight, and He was gracious enough to offer me direction. I felt led to study the book of Esther, which I thought was a little cliche, being as I am a female speaker, of course, I would choose one out of the only two books in the Bible that focus on the life of a woman of God. <laughs> it's pretty predictable. It makes sense. But um, after contemplating for a bit, I conceded and began to read. I did not have to go further than the first chapter until God revealed to me the purpose for this message and what the book of Esther had to do with that. Now, I'm going to swap gears for a second. For all you Bible quizzers out there, I need to make a cross-reference, amen, with the book of Daniel. My mom, who is also here tonight, she flew in last night, thank God. Asking your dad how your hair looks just isn't the same. It doesn't suffice. Um, but she delivered a masterful message at our Mother's Day service in our ladies' conference, our ladies' conference, I'm sorry, on the life and ministry of Daniel. And as I listened then, and recounted later on, I could not think of how different, yet similar, Esther's life and ministry is to his. I am an avid reader, and I was fortunate enough to find this amazing Christian author who write, wrote like 20 books in a series. Needless to say, I was hooked. I've read them all. Some of them I've read as many as four times. A bit obsessive, I know. But once I found a good author, I have learned that it is best to stick with them. And that is exactly what Esther and Daniel both did. They found the right author and they stuck with him. Amen. I'm glad to know the author and the finisher of our faith. Anybody else? I'm glad to know the author of peace and not confusion. Amen. If you're glad that you know the author and you know him by name, why don't we give him a hand clap of praise? Both the story of Esther and the story of Daniel ended in a victory for the kingdom of God. How this occurred, however, looked very different. So today, I'm going to be speaking to you about our author's different novels. I take you first to the story of Daniel. Daniel's Jewish name was changed to the Babylonian name of Belteshazzar, but he was rarely referred to in his book as Belteshazzar, hence it being called Daniel. God used him in his Jewish name of Daniel, and his identity never changed, despite the name the enemy had given him. Esther, however, her Jewish name was Hadassah, 
but God used her in her enemy-given name of Esther. It wasn't called the book of Hadassah. Her identity was changed to Esther, and God used her as Esther, not as Hadassah. In Babylonian captivity, Daniel was suffering Jewish persecution. His identity was always known by everyone as a Jew, yet he assumed a position at the king's side, despite that identity. On the contrary, Esther was made queen of an empire by concealing her identity until the right time. And in doing so, God used her to deliver his people from destruction. Daniel stood strong and his identity, while Esther concealed it to the right time, yet both were victorious in their endeavors for the kingdom. God was at work in both stories, but in Esther, in Esther, he is silently working. God is never mentioned in the book of Esther, but you can plainly see him working behind the scenes. In Daniel, he is speaking and so evidently present in the storyline. You see, by comparing and contrasting Daniel and Esther's differing stories, I realized that they both glorified God by fulfilling his will and following his prompting. They had the same author, but completely different novels. Esther required encouragement to follow the Lord's prompting. Her uncle Mordecai came to her. He basically said in Esther chapter 4, verse 13, don't think that just because of your fancy new position that you will escape the fate that the rest of us Jews are going to face. He told her, he said, if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews at some other time from some other place, but you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Contrarily, Daniel purposed in his heart to serve the Lord from the beginning. Daniel 1.8 says that Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself, and he requested that he not defile himself. It might have looked dark for Daniel, but he had a made-up mind. The decisions that he made were not easy ones to make, but he had his mind made up. And it may look dark for you, but you better know that you never underestimate the power of your made-up mind. Daniel faced literal lions in a den, but God shut their mouths, while Esther faced Haman, who might as well have been a lion, he tried to commit genocide against her people, the Lord's people. He picked a wrong people to play on. They had the same enemy, but he looked a little different. Sometimes he is a roaring lion, and sometimes he is silent and sneaking around to prey on you in a moment of vulnerability. But the way that we defeat him is always the same. Not by my might, not by my power, but by his spirit. Hallelujah, hallelujah. By his spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. As young people, 
we've got to stop disqualifying ourselves. And I know that's another cliche. This message is filled with cliches. We hear it time and time again, but has it sunk in? Because I don't know that it has for me. Do we remember and realize how young these biblical heroes were? Historians believe that Esther was 14 years old when she married Xerxes and became queen. They believe that Daniel was 15 years old when he was taken into Babylonian captivity. They were younger than I am now when they started to allow God to write their stories. Younger than many of you are, maybe only a little bit older than some of you. David, the youngest of eight siblings, stepped onto the battlefield between the ages of 16 and 19. Jeremiah, in Jeremiah 1.6, he said, ah, Lord, he said, I can't speak, for I am just a youth. But the Lord replied to him in the next verse. He said, don't say that you're just a youth. He said, for you shall go to all to whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Miriam was seven when she saved her brother Moses. Samuel heard the voice of God when he was 11 years old. For Samuel chapter three, verse one says, the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. The 11 faithful apostles were believed to have been called to follow Jesus when they were in their teens and early 20s. Paul encouraged Timothy. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, he said, Let no one despise you because of your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. They were an army of youth. And God is calling in this day an army of young people. We, you and I, are that army of young people. In preparation for the battle that is ahead of us, I ask you to take out your sword and put on the full armor of God. Ephesians 4.16 details this armor for us. It says, Gird your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, taking the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We know that. For the word of God is quick, living, breathing, powerful. Amen. And sharper than any two-edged sword. You have your sword. And you want to know how you put on your armor? Verse 18 of Ephesians 6 tells us that the dressing room for the full armor of God is in the prayer room. I ask you and me, what is missing from our armor? What has gotten rusty? Where have we become vulnerable to the enemy? How much time have we been spending in the dressing room of prayer? I ask you to examine your armor. I know that it is heavy and it is uncomfortable, but you cannot fight in battle without it.
You cannot. We cannot. In fact, if it's uncomfortable, that's how you know you're probably wearing it correctly. There's no way that you can convince me that that stuff was comfortable to wear or easy to put on. No way. But he asked us to take up our cross and follow him, not sit on our couch and read 20 novels, some of them maybe four times. If we walk onto the battlefield without that armor, his armor, we are willingly putting ourselves in danger. Willingly. And honestly, where isn't there a battlefield right now? The devil is attacking your home, your school, your job, your relationships, your time. He's attacking your mind. He's attacking everything. He's on all sides, everywhere, at all times. But he will be your refuge. And his armor will protect you. It will protect you. And we need the whole armor. Ephesians 6.11 says we need the whole armor of God. It is required that you can stand against the wiles of the devil. Whole thing. We serve the same God. We have the same destination in mind. The same ultimate goal to grow inwardly in relationship and to grow the kingdom outwardly. And we have the same instructions from the word of God for all situations we face, no matter how they look. Prayer is still essential. Fasting, it's still essential. Relationship is still essential. Your Bible reading is still essential. Holiness is still essential. Church attendance is still essential. Salvation, baptism, repentance, and the Holy Ghost through the evidence of speaking in tongues is still essential. It's all still essential. And it's never gonna change. It's never gonna change. It will always be the same. Our purpose is the same. Acts 1.8 says, but you shall receive power after, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be what? Witnesses. To whom? The end of the earth. Matthew chapter 28 verse 19 says, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. This is our purpose with our armor and our sword. Our promise is also the same. Acts chapter 2 verse 39 says, for the promises unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And if we have the same purpose, the same promise, and the same God, our victory will be the same. It will be the same. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. But there is no one size fits all template for the ministry that you pursue and for the calling that is placed on you. Because what you may face in order to fulfill your purpose will never be the same as what someone else faces. It will never be the same. Like Daniel and Esther, your plot line is going to look dramatically different from someone else's. If there's only one way to fulfill your calling, that would significantly diminish the amount of people that we could reach for his kingdom, and that's our purpose. 
if there's only one way to fulfill your calling, there's only one type of person that you will be able to reach. And there's no room for diversity. But we know that he gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Till we all come in the unity of the faith. Daniel and Esther taught us that even though it can be scary to answer the call of God, the souls attached to our obedience are worth doing it afraid. They are so worth doing it afraid. I ask, what is your calling and what is your ministry? Because you have one. We all have one. Your plot may not look like what you expect it to, your calling may be heavy, and it may be uncomfortable, but if it's his will, my will doesn't matter. His will. Thy will be done, not mine. When Gideon went into battle against an army of too many to count, with an army of 300, clanging pots and shining bright lights to confuse the enemy, it looked really weird, but it was God's plan. When David defeated a giant, it was with a stone and a slingshot. It looked pretty weird, but it was God's plan. When a 16-year-old girl walked up onto the platform with a word from God, it looked a little weird, but I believe that it was God's plan. When Jericho fell, after seven days of marching with instruments, not weapons, they had instruments. It looked really weird, but it was God's plan. I'm here to tell you, it's only weird if it doesn't work. And it worked. It worked. God may call you to fight some really strange battles in some really weird ways, but his ways are so much higher than mine. They are so much higher than our ways. When we do away with our ways and our neighbor's ways and say, I surrender my will to yours. I don't care if it's uncomfortable, heavy, weird. I don't, I don't care. I surrender my will because I want your will for my life. We stop fighting him for control and our battle is guaranteed victory. May we all be challenged to fight our battle God's way. Allow him to guide our storylines. This is a powerful generation. This is an anointed generation. And I believe that this generation is ready. Who knows? whether we have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And it is time for us to take up our sword and put on our armor and allow God to lead us to the victory. If you'd all stand with me in closing, I would like to pray together as a unified body. Amen? Mm-hmm where two or three are gathered together. I believe we have a little bit more than two or three. 
Let's all join hands, if you're comfortable. Lay a hand on your shoulder with your neighbor. I want us to pray very specifically. I want us to pray, one, for guidance with our stories, okay? Because the path is narrow, all right? But with his guidance, we can go through it. But from all sides, we're getting, we're getting to face with attacks, so we have to pray for guidance. I want every step that I take to be in his will, every decision that I make to be guided by him. Second, I want us to pray for the willingness to surrender control of our stories. I, I am dirt without him. Brother Victor Jackson told it, I am dirt without him, absolute dirt, and I cannot do anything without him. Third, I want us to pray that his will be done through our stories. So we're praying for guidance, we're praying for surrender control, we're gonna surrender control, and then we're going to pray that his will would be done. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's all pray together. Lord Jesus, we come to you today knowing that you have delivered a word. We are your army and we accept the call. God, we will put on the armor. We will enter the dressing room of prayer. Lord God, we will take up our sword, your word that is heavily laden with instructions. We know that your will is for us. God, we pray for guidance. Hallelujah. And this last day, we pray for guidance. You are the author of peace and not confusion. God, help us to make every decision in line with your will. God, I pray that you would help us to surrender our will to yours. We are absolute dirt without you, and I cannot do it without you. Let me surrender everything that I am to your kingdom's purpose. I humble myself knowing that I cannot do this alone. I am nothing. I am dirt. Lord God, third, I pray that your will would be done through us, through this army. Let your will be done. Hallelujah. We take up your cross. We take up your cross, your purpose and your promise. We accept and receive it. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Amen. Yeah. 
us. How many of you can lift your hands and say, He's everything you need? Hallelujah. There's a lot of different names for this generation. I can't keep up with them all. I thought we were pretty hip calling you millennials, but I found out that's outdated. Generation Z, X, I don't even sure what letter of the alphabet, but here's what I believe from the Word of God. This is the rapture generation. And God has put an anointing on this generation to reach this world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. a boldness and a courage and the gift of faith God is going to use you in a mighty way you can return to your seats I want to tell you of a couple of things that are important to mention and then prepare you for another way to worship the Lord there is at the conclusion of this service and the service is not over when Brother Carson is finished preaching. The service is over at the end of what God is going to do in this altar tonight. But after it is all said and done, we have rented out the entire Andretti's Thrill Park just for this group right here in this building tonight. So if you are... 12 years old or older, we want you to join us at the Andretti's Thrill Park. You can register in the four years or even after, after that at the park if necessary. Tomorrow morning, we have been greatly blessed throughout this entire week with a move of the Holy Ghost that the Lord has just thrown a hand grenade in on our schedule and we have welcomed it. The same thing happened today as it had in previous sessions going all the way back to Tuesday night as we had our pre-service meeting. The Holy Ghost has been a part because God has a special anointing on this generation. We did not get to our panel discussion this afternoon after a powerful word from Brother Charles Robinette. There was an incredible spirit that took place in this building today where there was surrender and there was unity and foot washing and it was an amazing time. So we didn't get to our panel. So in the morning at 9 a.m., everybody say 9 a.m. 9 a.m. is going to be our panel discussion with David Elms and Joel Urshan and other panelists. It's going to be concerning the subject of unity and restoration. Following the panel discussion will be the ministry of Brother Dylan Morgan and Brother Landon Gore, both speakers in their early 20s. You're going to be blessed by their ministry. There are also video and audio jump drives that are available in the foyers of all the singing and all of the preaching of this conference. The audio files are $20. The video files are $30. You need to get that. It includes everything that's been a part of this conference, and you can play it over and over again and let this conference continue to minister to you. Next year, ladies and gentlemen, we are launching Global Harvest in Motion. You have heard it talked about throughout this conference 
that we are going to reach billions with the Holy Ghost and with the power of God in these last days. For us to get to a billion, we've got to go through a million. And to get to a million, we've got to go through thousand. And so, starting in January of next year, we are launching Global Harvest in Motion. Brother Charles Robinette, Brother Chris Green, and myself are starting this initiative right here at East Wind Pentecostal Church with a training session on January 14th and 15th. We are going to endeavor around this country to train every quarter and raise up an army of a thousand people that are committed to be harvesters in the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are starting next year with 10 crusades, five overseas and five in the United States. Then the following year we'll jump to 25 and then move exponentially from there. Eventually every weekend there will be teams of apostolic young people and this generation that's going to usher in the rapture. Having a tremendous harvest and a revival all over this world. Not just in North America but overseas and everywhere. Football stadiums are going to be filled with young people moved by the Holy Ghost. That harvest is lost souls to God. In the next five years, if not before, you will witness more than one million souls be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost in Jesus' name. If you believe that, would you clap your hands in affirmation of what God is doing with this generation? We want you to be a part of that, and we believe God will blow our minds if we commit to a cause bigger than ourselves. Right now you have an opportunity to commit to a cause that is bigger than yourself by turning your attention to the screens and learning how we can do it right now, tonight, in Jesus' name. Anthony Trimble won his battle with cancer and transitioned from this life to the next. There are so many things about Anthony that were just extraordinary. Things that we have talked about over the last few months as we have honored him, his life, his legacy, his ministry. One thing that stands out to me about Anthony is that he was a giver. Everything that he did, he poured himself so passionately and so completely into it. Whether it was as a husband to Lysandra or a father to Kingston and Davis and Graham, or as a preacher, as a worship leader, singer, and songwriter,
He gave of himself so completely. He invested himself completely into his life, his ministry. Anthony was a giver. We have an opportunity to continue to honor the life and the legacy of Anthony Trimble by returning that investment, by giving and supporting the things that he loved the most. We've set a goal of $300,000 to create a scholarship fund in Anthony's name and also to help pay off the home that he and Lysandra are building. We'd like to make an investment by giving, supporting, loving. We're committed to continuing his legacy, to live like Anthony. We're committed to investing in the things that he loved the most. And we invite you to join us, to partner with us. I believe together we can accomplish this goal and together we can make a difference by giving like Anthony. He was a giver, and we invite you to give with us. Our ushers are coming now, and we're going to wait upon you for an offering. As you can turn your attention to the screens and see, you can give digitally through the QR codes that are there, also the information on the screen behind me. This offering is dedicated to the life and the legacy of Anthony Trimble who went on to be with the Lord at 35 years old, but before he went, he wrote a lot of songs that we sing in our church and that you sing in your church. And this is a way that we can commit ourselves to a cause bigger than ourselves. This is the way that we worship the Lord, not just with the clapping of our hands, but through a sacrifice and an offering of a cause bigger than us. And as you give tonight, as the Lord puts upon your heart, we will give it to the fun to be able to minister unto Anthony Trimble's family and be a blessing to them. Would you bow your heads and pray, Lord, we are thankful to be in your house tonight. We are thankful for the opportunity to worship you through this giving. I pray your blessing upon Anthony Trimble's family, his legacy. I pray, God, that what you put in that young man continues to live on throughout all the generations. I pray that you would give this generation courage and boldness to give sacrificially, knowing that you are the giver of every good gift. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. amen. God bless you as you give.
That's why we dance in liberty. That's why we dance in liberty. But you do it all.
same yesterday, today, and forevermore. I want you to come to the front. We're going to give you one more opportunity to say the name of Jesus.
of the Lord is here. I feel it in the atmosphere. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. And it's only going to continue to get better and better tonight. How many have enjoyed the powerful presence of God in this house? Hallelujah. Brother Avant, God bless you. Thank you for the word tonight. Amen. Sister Jane Claire Carney, God bless you. Thank you for the word tonight. Hallelujah. Thank you to all the musicians and the worship leaders. Can we just give God another hand clap of praise? Hallelujah. One of the themes of WINS Conference 2021 has been surveying the amazing anointed generation that God has raised up. And a generation that is uniquely prepared and equipped for the challenges that we face right here and right now. One of the leading voices that has prepared this generation is about to preach to us tonight. He needs no introduction, but we introduce him because we want to give honor where honor is due. A man of God, the pastor of Calvary Tabernacle, Indianapolis, Indiana, a church with a great history and an even greater future. President of the Indiana Bible College, our dear friend and beloved brother, would you welcome Pastor Joshua Carson as he comes to preach the word of the Lord. Oh, come on, let's magnify the name of Jesus. Nobody like the Lord in this place. Amen. Praise God. Turn to your neighbor and smile so big they see every tooth you own legally. Tell them I'm glad you made it. Come on, even if you bought them, they're yours. Show them off, baby. I, f I feel a little something special. In hey, Jane Claire, that was preach. That was just dynamic preaching. Whoa. To God be the glory. To God be the glory, but it's okay that, that we tell you great job too. Need you to know, God gets the glory, but we know Esther's name.
Brother Avant, I echo that tremendous opening here tonight. I say a great big thank you to our friends, the Myers, and their beautiful family. And I, uh, I'm just honored to be here at East Wind. Praise God. Brother Howard, the team, dynamic. If you don't like this, you don't like good music. If you don't like this, you don't like good singing. There's nothing like anointed, apostolic singing. Woo! I am thankful that my beautiful wife, my godly wife, Rachel, is here. And my four amazing kids, Canaan, Carver, Cadence, and Kaysen. They are... They allowed me to do the cardinal no-no and cut family vacation one day short to be at this conference. It had been scheduled for some time. And uh, I love them and appreciate them. I'm going to tell you, ministry is not a burden. Ministry is a gift. Serving is a gift. Not for notoriety, but because the king we serve is so wonderfully worthy. He is worthy. I've tuned in and I've listened to every speaker that I was not able to be here for personally. And this has been a very rich in content and demonstration conference. I say thank you not only to the team who ever allowed for my name to be considered, but I say thank you to you, the participants. Because if you had not shown up so hungry and so willing then what we're doing here would pale in comparison. But this has been the result of much prayer and much fasting. And uh, I want to say publicly how thankful I am for the messages that I have heard in person. What I heard from Brother Green last night, it was the first time I've ever seen someone body slam and break a pulpit in the middle of a message. And it was dynamic. It was. When he comes to Calvary, I will bring the old podium out. But it was dynamic. And then my dearest friend in the world got up and preached about rivers, not a river. And it was powerful. Today's ministry, Brother Urshan, who is rich in his history and heritage and connection to Indianapolis. And it seems like God has almost knit us together over the last year a little bit in our travels and ministry and it has blessed my life tremendously and I say thank you for the word that you shared today I wish everyone in it, not just North America I wish everyone in Pentecost could hear the the word the unifying word that you preached here today it was so powerful amen and Brother Robinette, such a gift to the kingdom of God. I had the extreme honor to accompany him and Brother David Bounds overseas a handful of years ago and witnessed firsthand what I had already heard. Of course, he's been with us in Talmadge, Ohio. We honor not just your desire. It's one thing to desire. It's another thing to do. And I know you're not seeking glory or credit, um, I bet you've taken a lot of shots for what you're trying to accomplish for the kingdom of God. 
so I'd say just on behalf of the generation I've been trying to work for 20 years to build. Thanks for taking the shots and moving forward in apostolic authority. We had a demonstration here today. And the demonstration followed, a, listen, it followed humility. Don't tell me you want a pulpit if you don't want a towel. It's the truth. Well, I don't have anything polished to preach tonight, but I do have a little passion in my belly. So if you'll turn in your Bibles to the book of Genesis, for those that are new to the crowd, that's the first book. I say that a little bit tongue-in-cheek because one of the guys on our youth team right now one of the most powerful young preachers and young men, but in his first Bible study, he didn't know that the Bible was made up of books. <laughs> Is Brother Ross here? Shout amen if you're here. Dan Ross. Man, I love you. I love you, elder. That's an elder minister from our church right there, and I love and appreciate him so very much. Brother Robinette, when you pulled those buckets, he came and found me today. An elder in our church who's been a gift to my family. He came on a beeline and found me over here and said, Pastor, I want to wash your feet. Put such joy. It made my day. Put a surge of strength into me. Genesis 37 is where I'm turning your attention. A very familiar portion of Scripture. Great big thank you again to everyone. Chapter 37 is where we read about an interesting individual by the name of Joseph. And if you will allow me, I'll start reading at the first verse and only read through just a handful or so. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, everyone say 17. Yeah, 17. He was... He was feeding the flock with his brethren, and the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and with the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And, and Joseph, he brought his, unto his father their evil report. Now, Israel loved Joseph. You know, parents should not have a favorite. Mm, but Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. I'm going to tell you, elders, elders will get a new fire when this generation, part of what is encouraging the elder generation right now is to watch this younger generation rise up with such tenacity and anointing. And we cannot help. The elders cannot help. Now, I understand I'm young compared to many, but I've been doing youth ministry a long time, and I couldn't help but do a lot of crying while she was preaching because I preached Esther in front of 40,000 hoping that somebody like you He loved him. He was the son of his old age. And he made him a coat 
of many colors. And really this was speaking to the tailoring of the coat. The expense of the coat was due to the tailoring of the coat. Time and expense worked together. And when his brethren saw their father loved him more than all his brethren, naturally, (laughs) they hated him. Could not speak peaceably unto him. And Joseph dreamed a dream. Dreaming, not bad. But then he told it to his brethren. And they hated him yet the more. He said unto them, listen, I want to tell you about a dream that I've had. We were binding sheaves in the field. My sheaf, it arose and and it stood upright. And behold, your sheaf stood round about and made... Everybody look at that word right there. Made obeisance to my sheaf. Let me give it. Now that's KJV. Let me give it to you in JBC. They bowed. Wasn't that a great dream? They already hated him. And he's just young and dumb. His brethren said unto him, You're going to rule over us? You're going to reign over us? Have dominion over us? They hated him for his dreams, watch this, and his words. Maybe you could dream, just don't share them. He dreamed again, told it to them and the fathers. This one was a little bit so crazy that Even his dad said, what's the deal, boy? Calm down. We're all going to bow before you? I don't think so. But some people won't get it. They Listen, don't expect, don't expect people. Don't expect people that are not where you are to be the ones to validate a dream God gave you. give you the dream God gave you the dream somebody say yes he did turn over now to chapter 45 and then we'll preach through the narrative a little bit maybe chapter 45 we get to the end of the story here and we understand the, the famine is in full effect And the brothers have come. And in verse 3, he has revealed himself and said, I am Joseph. And in verse verse 5, he said, Now therefore be not grieved, nor angry with yourselves that ye sold me hither. For God did send me before you to preserve life. I know it's been two years, but there are five years left. There's not going to be airing a harvest. Watch this, verse 7. God sent me before you to preserve you 
a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by great deliverance. On this Friday night of what has been a spectacular conference with two amazing speakers still tomorrow, I want to preach to you a simple thought with deep revelation. It's your answer to every lying devil of hell and earth. God sent me. I wish you'd get that already in your spirit from the beginning of this message and throw your hands towards heaven. I need it to break through not just your ears and into your mind, but I need it to travel a foot south into your heart and find lodging right now. God, I pray that you would help me to preach with wisdom and clarity under the anointing and the unction of the Holy Ghost to these young people tonight. I pray that we would hear, that we would feel, that we would receive, and that we would act upon what is being done in our lives. We ask it in the mighty name of Jesus Christ and let everybody in the building say amen. amen. Now I will tell you from the beginning of this message, it is possible Brother Gore, I may say it 10 or 20 or maybe even more times tonight, but I want the devil to know you are not in control of the destinies of the young people and the young adults in this room. In fact, I even feel like I need to tell a pastor or two and an evangelist or two that it's time for us to square our shoulders again and remind the enemy this assignment was not from you. God sent me. To which I would say then let God arise And his enemies be scattered. And as they're scattered, you may be seated. As if two wives were not enough, he had a couple concubines also. Now in comparison to my man Solomon, he was a moderate fellow. Be the husband of one wife, comma, because she's all you can handle. But he's worked for Laban for seven years, old Jake has, and, and his payoff is meant to be the beautiful, the voluptuous. Rachel, but somehow when the morning comes, it is 
is a great mystery of the text. Come on, can you handle this? It is a great mystery of the text that the whole night and Leah was who he woke up next to. time to produce sons he would not love as great <laughs> make sure that what you're producing you can love and I understand that it was orchestrated in some sense by the handiwork of God but it was finally when Rachel has Joseph it's not only that it's the son of his old age it is the son of Rachel and he loves this boy only Benjamin would be the finality to this but Joseph, oh Joseph, oh Joseph. And sons that were dealing with the bitterness of a mother who would walk around the house never having truly felt the love of that man. I, it was imposed. Parents must be careful what they impart. I've watched many parents who never could be prom queen try to live that out in their own kids. Many parents who never could be the varsity star and their kid is called to preach, but they want him. Because when Leah gets bothered, the children will be affected. You're talking about unity in the body today when you were preaching about it in the, the division of the tribes and the moving of the tribes. Oftentimes the mother has a lot to do with that. Well, we've got to get our churches, the mother together. 
And so is it really a surprise that when Joseph comes on the scene, hey, just twirling in his coat, No, you're not busy. <laughs> Just twirling in his coat. Here he comes. Don't you hear them grumbling? I know you've heard it a thousand times. Here's a thousand and one. You would have been irritated too. I wouldn't have been here. I would have. If I'm one of the ten ahead of him and I've never been given a coat, And old Joe comes on the scene and they brought in a special tailor. I wore something from Salvation Army, the general conference, and Joe. What are you guys wearing? You gonna wear that? I'm gonna wear all this. <laughs> You'd have been mad too. How many have a sibling that has ever annoyed you? Come on, you lie, you fry. And they did a lot less than that. You've been ready to kill them because they wouldn't get out of the bathroom. How many of you ever been there? Get out the bathroom. Get out the bathroom. Get out the bathroom. Mom. Mom, mom, I'm gonna kill you. I'm gonna kill you dead, twice dead, plucked up by the roots, dead. Get out of the back. You ever been in a fight with your siblings in the van or the Yukon or something on the way to the service? Then you gotta walk in church like everybody was happy. Parents just in the vehicle looking in the rearview mirror. I'm going to kill you before we ever get to walk in the front door. How you doing? Too blessed to be stressed. I'm too blessed to be stressed. I'm going to tell you, real, real families have real problems. We got the Holy Ghost. We got no issue. If you're wearing flesh, you got real problems. Real problems. Parents don't say things to them like, if you had the Holy Ghost, what's your excuse? Real people have real issues. And they are pre-ghost. And Joseph has the audacity. He had to know they didn't like him. Brother Robinette, I don't think they were subtle about it at all. Guys, I had a dream. I don't know why, but I picture you doing it. I could see you doing this, but I, you're all dramatic. I had a dream. Then you just fall on the ground. Fall on the ground. <laughs> I had a dream, listen to this You're going to love it 
sheaves. They it was awesome, baby. They already hated him. But then he had a dream. If you wait on people to stop hating you to dream, you're going to be waiting a long time. I've done everything I know how to try to preach the truth of the doctrine and try to be righteous and try to be holy and try to be consistent. And I have found out some people just won't like me no matter what I do. But I got news for you. They did not call me. I don't care if they like my dream. I don't care if they like when you say billions. They did not give you the... Come on, they didn't give you the vision. They didn't give you the calling. They didn't give you the... They weren't there in the midnight hour when God woke you up and you crawled down by your bed and you cried them warm tears. They were not there. So who cares if they don't like you? Who cares if they despise you? They did not call you. He shared the dream, Jay, they hated him. You're an idiot. <clears throat> Wish this was Joseph's face. I just Come on. I had another dream. Do tell. It's about the moon and stuff. <laughs> oh, really? Even the dad walked out at this time. Jake's like, I love you, but knock it off. <laughs> Me and your mom now? <laughs> but I've been dealing for decades with parents who could not understand the dreams of their children. And since I'm at the twilight of this youth ministry thing, I'm going to go ahead and talk how I feel. I hope your parents can support it. But if God called you, I hope your parents can put a little money in your pocket and send you on to do ministry. But if they ridicule you for it, if they despise you for it, if they alienate you for it, some of you, they might even kick you out of the house. But your parents did not call you. God called you. I want families to be unified. Brother Ross could tell you that I do. But I'm telling you right now, there is no person that is worth cashing in the call and the dream of God that is in and upon your life. Turn to two or three people and tell them whether you like it or not.
when parents are on board, but they don't have to be. I'm glad that you don't have to have a daddy who's a preacher to be a preacher. I wouldn't trade my dad for anything. My dad is a blue collar welder. I'm the son of a welder. And if you don't like that, too bad. And somebody asked me one time, what political move should I make to have a ministry like yours? When I pick them up off the floor. You don't need the right last name. This isn't about whether or not you're a thoroughbred. Your name doesn't need to be Carson or Dylan or Robinette or... I'm going to tell you how you have a ministry. If you will build an altar and let God give you the dream and die out to your... Here's what my dad did do. When I told my parents that I was called to ministry, I had done two years in a marketing program. I really wanted to do marketing. My father went through horrible sickness at 41 years old. He went through a, for a routine checkup, a work physical, and they found out that his kidneys were at 17% function. As a result of that, I watched the strongest man I ever know begin to hook up to a dialysis machine in our home four times a day. His body began to wither away. They put him on a transplant list and my parents tried to shield me from it, but I became aware that he probably would not make it until the date. I begged my parents to let me be tested. All of us siblings did, but my dad said I refused to take the chance on one of my children. Because in donating a kidney, it is harder on the giver than it is the recipient statistically. There was one person and one person only that was tested. If you don't understand the science behind this, it won't be quite as amazing. But the only person that was ever tested was my mother. My mother was both a blood and an antigen match. When she went in for the test, they prayed and they felt like my mother should be tested. They felt a voice from the Lord, a peace from God. Have her be tested, I'll take care of it. That's why I tell young people, you better be careful who you date because it matters who you marry. I believe that, listen, 27 years before that, an apostolic young man fell in love with an apostolic young lady. And when God put them together, he knew there were things in her he would need. All these years later, 20 some years later, his most recent checkup with her kidney inside of him, all these decades later, his doctor just told him, everything looks perfect. You're as healthy as could possibly be. Yeah. He was a welder. And when I sat in the living room and I, I talked to them, I had this dream of taking marketing and taking blue collar and putting them together. You know, I wanted to make a bunch of money. 
Because when you watch your dad who has always been able to provide so greatly and you watch him through your last two high school years, you watch the finances deplete and you watch your father wither away. It takes everything you thought you had dreamed about and tries to make you put it through the filter of worldly ambition. I told them I was called. They knew I was called. I said, I think I'm going to do both. <laughs> I made the mistake. I went, to a, I went to a summer camp meeting where Norm Pasley, the great late Norm Pasley, was preaching. And Brother Urshan, he was preaching a message. And, and, and I had convinced myself I was too old to be a camper. But I went and I sat on the front row that night. Campground was only about five miles from my house. I was already working in my marketing, my schooling. My secular schooling was already paid for and established. And I sat on the front row and Norm Pasley got a big Rubbermaid bucket and he started dragging it up and down the stairs there in the front of Illinois District Campground. And he said, I've come tonight to preach about taking out the trash. And I was sitting right here on the front row. And before God, here's what I thought, Brother Dylan. I thought, it's all good. I don't have sin in my life. I don't have sin. And I no more thought the words. And Norm Pasley, who was not a screamer, screamed in the mic. I'm not preaching about sin. He said, I'm preaching about all the trash. Between what you're called to do and what you're doing. I did my best landing gore. I fell on the ground. I sprawled out. I ran to that altar. I buried my face in that carpet. And I went home and I sat around the table with parents who were not financially able to send me to Bible college. And I told them what the Lord had spoke to me. And thankfully they helped validate the dream that God had given me. And, and, and I went on a dream that others couldn't understand. When I was making the decision to go, one of the most influential voices in my life said, You listen to me, boy. Money makes the world go round. I had been on staff in Ohio for less than one year when they called me on the phone and offered me a position in Illinois that would triple my salary. I can still feel my body shaking in the living room. When I said, I need to be able to sleep tonight knowing I'm in the will of God. preach to you two decades later to tell you I have never seen the righteous forsaken I've never seen his seed begging for bread. he took a country boy from a cornfield that said all I know how to do is say yes and he said I'll move you where you need to move I'll place you where you need to be placed I'll give 
give you platforms you don't deserve and microphones you should not hit. Not because you're gifted, but because you are obedient. I'm preaching, I'm reaching for somebody here tonight that you have been ready to cash in your dream for convenience. It will never be convenient for you to give up on a God dream. If you really think that that corner office is going to satisfy your calling, I'm telling you prophetically, the Holy Ghost will move into that room. And I just preach how I feel right now. Just I walked at a camp meeting up. We had been in a powerful camp meeting. And I was there worshiping and, and, and celebrating. And there had been a young man just a little bit older than me that was one of the most powerful young preachers. I looked up to him. I probably idolized him a little bit in my own humility in my, 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 my teenage years. I, I just, it was kind of like he's amazing. But I had openly watched as he cast in ministry for worldly prosperity. And I walked through the, the front of the campground where we had all been worshiping and I, I walked down the side aisle and when I came to the back, I saw him there and I, I came up next to him. I don't know what came over me. I was a young man. I started with small talk. I, hey, how are you? It's so good to see you. Are things well? He said, oh, things are great. Yeah, yeah. Job is Good. I didn't know what to do. Job is good. Oh, job is great. I don't know. It was just something like a fire. Just the words were out before I could stop them. And I looked at this this gentleman I had looked up to so much. And I I said, but how many times do you wish you could preach again? Because, Brother Elms, I needed to know. And I am forever haunted by his words when his, his plastic smile went. And the horror of his face allowed these words to escape. Josh, I think about it every night. When I try to sleep, I wish I could preach. I'm reaching for someone that thinks you're going to work your way out of the call. Or you're going to earn your way out of the dream. There is nothing that will satisfy you once God has put a dream inside of you. If you've been called to preach, nothing will fulfill you but preaching. If you've been called to intercession, nothing will fulfill you but intercession. If you have been... But they hated him for dreaming. His father sends him to the field. 
and they conspire while he is yet in the distance. You better know your company. Even if they're your brethren. Don't live cynical, but know your company. They put him in a pit. Reuben wants to negotiate. They end up selling him. Ladies and gentlemen, that's horrific for today's news. They sell him, brother. It's not our brother, that's Rachel's boy. And they take that coat. They devise that plan. They put animals blood on it because they really thought he was no greater than an animal anyway. They bring it to his father. How could they... How can they lie so straight-faced to their father? How can you look at the man who has wrestled the angel of God all night? The man who has gone from Sopranto to Israel, one who has wrestled with God and prevailed and lied to his face. And he mourns a son that he is not dead. But God. And I wish I could tell you that this plan of God has been pit free for me. And I wish that all these great preachers who I probably don't even deserve to be on the headline with, I wish I could tell you life has been delightful. But some fake Instagram post It's not the reality of... I'm glad for your little escapades and your little getaways. But the dream will often lead you to a pit before it leads you to a pool pit. How can this be the will of God? It is. But they're all against me. They're not all against you. I got a word for somebody right now. Don't think he cannot use carnal people to fulfill his will. If he can make the waves that are treacherous put that ark to rest on the right mountain. I was involved in a situation one time and I knew it was carnal people who had a hand in it. I took it to God, laid in the sanctuary and screamed those words. I won't say at God, but I think it was. Any of y'all, let me just talk to y'all. Y'all my friends, any of y'all ever talk to God? Come on, anybody guilty? I call you to the stand. I know the 
those people were carnal. And God thundered those words to me. Don't you think I can use carnal people to get my will done? Joseph's brothers were a mess, but they were a part of the plan. He will put people in your life that'll get you into the pit, that'll get you to the palace. Don't you be so bent out of shape about the people who are killing your dream. Because if it's really from God, if it's really from He is not intimidated by this pit. I'm preaching to somebody in the pit right now. You came in and you wore your suit. And you think you're supposed to wave just right. But if we really could see your life. Come on, where are my pit people at? Be real with me right now. You drug yourself out of the pit just to get here. Barely had enough money to put gas in the... There's people in the room right now. You thought about sleeping all night in the car because you couldn't afford a hotel. Everybody's got their nice clothes on. Talking about prosperity. I can't even talk to the cheap seats because there's no cheap seats in this church. And people don't know, but you got mud under your fingernails. <laughs> you got dirt running down your neck. Because you were digging your way out of a pit just to get here. But God sent me with a word from heaven to tell you, don't you be distracted by the pit of the moment. Don't you be distracted. You are not some voluntary dreamer with a made up concoction of your mind. But it was God who gave you the dream. It was God who gave you the calling. So here's what I wonder. How did it feel when they pull him out of the pit? Guys, that was a sick joke. That was a... What are you doing? Pull me out of the pit only to give me two. How do you make that decision between Egypt and the pit? I can be a slave to the pit. I can be a slave to... As long as you're a slave to the dream, it'll be all right. As long as the dream has taken preeminence in your life, whether it is the pit or whether it is the slavery, God will work it. I'm preaching to somebody right now that's in a job you hate. You listen to me right now. Don't you dare lose your witness by the way you act at that job. If he wanted you in another job right now, you'd be there. If God really loved me. Shut up. Don't you ever feel like this? I'm not at home. Sometimes I want to say that at home, so I'm going to say that right here. Isn't it the truth? If God really loved me, I wouldn't be at this bank still. But what? You 
good. I mean, he gets into a good role. It's a dangerous thing when you're loved more in Egypt than at home. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Until his master's wife, creeper, she was a cougar creeper. (laughs) She was. So she said, she said something like that, but she said it in Egyptian, so I don't, she said, (laughs) and I'm, I'm, (laughs) this is why I need notes, I, and I, I got a feeling she was good looking. Say what you want. But that was a powerful dude. He didn't pick him one of them doe-eyed girls. Eeny, meeny, miny, mo, and curly no. (laughs) Roses are red. And I think she was good looking. He had power. But she was a mess. (laughs) He was a powerful man. Could keep all those people obedient, but he couldn't keep his wife from wandering. What does it really matter if you control people that don't even respect you? You're a dictator. You'll never be a preacher. You're not a leader if no one's following. You're not. But Brother Job, she just kept on him. And he said, I can't do it. I won't do it. You're... Your husband, he has been so good to me. How would I repay him this way? And he leaves the coat. She snatched it off of him. She, she snatched it and he runs out of the room. Guard. Oh, guard. Look what he's done. People will lie on you. You better listen to me right now. People will lie on you. They will pervert truth. Well, if God's in it, I won't do any time. Tell that to Joseph. I got a baker and butler in here I need you to talk to. And there's some, listen, there's some positions that will not be glamorous, but they will still be necessary. And if you ever want to be a ruler over much, 
Isn't it amazing? I love the fact that two coach later, he's still carrying the dream. Ends up in, ends up in the prison, remember this? The butler, the baker, and the candlestick. Oh, no, 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 that's another. But, but, but the butler and the baker. And I, I really do, I love this because the dreams come to him in the first one. He says, I've got good news about that vine. You're about to be restored to your place. And the butler says, come on now, Joe, I like you. I like Joe, I don't know if we're ever getting out of here, but I like you. And the baker said, oh, oh, do mine. Do mine. I had a dream too. Oh, you're going to die. You're going to impale. The birds are going to eat. Oh, in this region, right here. Ah. And it's a law. It ha- did it happen? It happened. Now watch this. He was able to dream as a 17-year-old, but he's nearly 30 before he starts interpreting any. And he never gives the interpretation to a single dream until he ignores the advancement sexually of that woman. Because there's some levels of ministry you cannot get to until your integrity is truly tested. It's the truth. You want to preach to thousands and you've never even taught a Bible study? Don't tell me you want to win the world and you've never even witnessed to your neighbor. There are some levels of ministry that cannot be unlocked until a lesser level. Preaching truth is not our license to minister. It is our basic, reasonable service to the kingdom of God. It's not until Pharaoh starts talking about his... And the butler says, I don't know how I forgot this. (laughs) But there's a dude. You know little Joe? Little Joe? We called him Skinny Joe in the joint, you know. Skinny Joe. We had, (laughs) we had dreams. And he told me, remember the baker? One we called Birdman, remember him? He... (laughs) he told us both our dreams and it happened just like he said and what did he do bring him to me right bring him to me and here he comes long time from a pit but fresh from prison He's got a lot more prison than dream on his mind. And what does Pharaoh say? I heard that you can interpret. What does Joseph do? Watch his license. Oh, not me. But God can. (laughs) God can. Same God that woke me up at 17 years old with a dream. Same God that fell into a pit with me. Same God that walked into a master's house with me. 
Same God that stood with me when I told that cougar take a hike. Same God that walked with me into prison. That same God. The same God that helped me talk to the butler whether he liked it or not. And the baker whether he liked it or not. And not telling them what, what thus saith Joseph but what thus saith the That's why I'm leery of prophecies that start with I. Better make sure your prophecy starts with I am. He said, I give you the interpretation. Here's the dream. And he goes on and he tells him, had the same dream two different ways. And Joseph said, oh, God knows what that is. There's going to be seven years of plague. And then there's going to be seven years of famine. And in ministry, you'll have both. And they all get together in a huddle. Uh, We're going to need somebody good to oversee this. What about Joe? He just got out of prison. He's got a felony on his record. Did we do the work release program thing? Have we even set that up? I'm not sure if we said. Listen. The butler said, and the baker's dead. And, and he told you the magicians were called. None of them knew. And it was like they were doing backyard football. And he said, okay, I want you to go here. And I want you to run this way. You grab Joe here. We're going to put him here. We'll harvest the corn here. We'll put it in the house here. Joe, I got an offer for you. I'm in charge of all of the land. But how about whatever you say goes? How long would you have to think about that? Let me pray. Yes. Yes. I'll do it. I'll do it. He's changing out of his orange prison scrub. I'll do it. I'll do it. Give me a tie. Do you have that coat that that chick took from me? He doesn't belong here. And God is saying he belonged here the whole time. When he was 17, he had this dream. And everybody in the palace is now in agreement. It doesn't matter what his brother said. It doesn't matter what that master's wife said. It doesn't matter what anybody else said about you, Joe. It was God. I wish somebody would be reminded. It was God. It was God. It was God. Somebody throw your hands in the air and say, God sent me. And when you, when the Holy Ghost comes on you, You will speak in a boldness. But there will be certain people. Let me preach a couple more minutes. I'll be done. It's too long, but I'm, I got the mic. Leader in my life told me one time, Christianettes or sermonettes make Christianettes. So I'm going to try to flesh this whole thing out real quick. There are people in your life, Brother Robinette, just talk to you for a second because I know this is true and I know you get this, so I'm going to just talk to you and everybody else can listen. 
Is it true or is it not true? That there are people in your life that will allow you to operate at a different level when you're there. I guarantee you go to churches where you can operate at a particular level that you cannot in other places. Sometimes it's because of cynicism. Typically it's because they're carnal. Sometimes it's because they're jealous. Mm. Everybody wants the gifts of the Spirit, right? Gifts of the Spirit. So many people talking about the gifts of the Spirit. People that don't even bear the fruit of the Spirit want the gifts of the Spirit. You'll find it's a lot easier for you to operate in the gifts of the Spirit if you will bear the fruit of the Spirit. You get a little love, joy, peace, gentleness, meekness. You get some of that, you get some of this. And so Joseph finally gets into a place where people start believing in him. Joseph had the same call at 17. Now, he didn't have the seasoning. You need the seasoning. You need the Billy Cole calls. But he had the same call at 17 that he's got at 30 standing in Pharaoh's house now smiling. Still me. Same call all along. But now, people believe in him. And he's able to speak with authority. I'm going to tell you one of the reasons Aaron Bounds, I don't ever do this, but I'm just, I'm trying to be as transparent as I know right now. One of the reasons Aaron Bounds is my best friend is Aaron Bounds taught me that it's okay, you can be spiritual and normal. One of our first times, babe, you remember this? One of our first times ever hanging out, we're at a, at a food court in a mall. And we're sitting there, we're eating terrible Chinese food. It was terrible. We're eating that. And we're just talking about, about souls, you know. We're just talking about it. Just young preachers. We're just so young. So young. I'm sitting there, man, and I, I got like an egg roll in my mouth. And I hear him whimpering. And I look up. Court. There's hundreds of people around us. And I look up at Aaron's crying, big tears. Just, I mean, they're just dripping down off of his chin. He said, Josh, we got to reach the world. His friendship, Joe's friendship for me unlocked something. Is this okay? I'm just talking yeah. honestly. It unlocked something for me. I found that when I would go to preach for him, I could operate in a level that I could never operate in. I was in prayer for him. Let me share a story. I was in prayer for him, Brother Myers. I was in prayer. I was in deep prayer for him. Couldn't tell why I was wrestling, but I was in deep prayer for him. Just a young man, just early 20s, maybe mid-20s. And I was praying, I was praying. And all of a sudden, I saw Aaron. Brother Bounds, he was standing in a field full of orange wildflowers. Orange wildflowers. And I thought, God, this is the most bizarre thing. And all I could hear was the words, reach for them anyway. Reach for them anyway. I'd never seen anything like this. I'd heard about people being shown visions and dreams. And I believe you can be spiritual without being mystical.
You need to know the difference. And I, I saw him, but I didn't understand it. And I, I went to Zanesville, and I, it was just the next week I went to Zanesville, and I, I, I was trying to understand what I had seen. And it was the first year he was trying to decide about renting out a convention center downtown Zanesville. He said, I believe God's told me that if we'll rent this stadium, this old auditorium, that God will help us fill it up with sinners from this town. He said, Josh, I just want you to go with me and just see it. Because, man, you just need someone to dream with you. Since there's enough people who won't find somebody who will. It is forever ingrained in me when we walked out. And we walked out onto this black, this, it was a black uh, platform. It was just painted black wood. It was like an old theater. And, and we went out and it was pitch black in all of the house, the whole thing. And, and, and he said, I just want you to look at it. And they're going to go, they're going to flip the lights on. And I want you to just tell me what you feel. And that little old girl that was part of the rental contract, she went over there and flipped the lights on. And when she did, as far as I could see, the same color orange was the seats all through that place. Turned to him and I began to weep. And I said, God says yes. God says yes. I began to share that dream, that vision with him that God had given me. And God needed somebody that could dream with him. Joseph, you don't belong here. Well, God says I do. His brothers, they're in a famine. <laughs> they walk into the building. Let me hasten towards the end of this. I'll stop. I know I've preached too long. They, they walk into his presence and they don't even recognize. He's doing his best to hold it. They, they didn't recognize him then and they don't recognize him. He's standing before them and it, it plays out multiple times and they're missing Benjamin and Benjamin's not there and, and he, he tells them you've got to go and I, I will take the whole time the back and the forth and the scenario and the, and the silver cup that is put there and Benjamin being called back and it all happens it's all coming to this culmination until finally Joseph cannot take it and he screams out the same way that Jacob had had to cry out in front of that angel that night alone with him he cries out in front of his brothers I'm Joseph It's only a handful of verses earlier when Pharaoh gave him a new name too, Jane Clare. Renamed by that Egyptian leader. But before you get too bent out of shape about the name, that name in the Egyptian tongue meant God lives and God speaks. And I think that's what he's doing with our generation. He's taking a bunch of dreamers that they've tried to alienate since 1901 in North America. And he's bringing us to the forefront where even the Egyptians will have to say, God lives and God speaks. 
And I've got news for you. Some of you might not like this, but some of the brothers who were against us are going to come back. If you don't like it, you can't be a part of the body that I know is true from this book. Ye who are spiritual, restore such a... He said, I'm Joseph. Stand with me. He said, don't beat yourself up. Don't weary yourself. Just go get my dad. I know we've had our differences, but God sent me. So thankful for what you guys preach today. We got to get over our fickle little differences in our. We gotta, we gotta get our cynicism baptized. We gotta get our arrogance prayed through. I know you did me wrong, but it's me. I'm Joseph. Don't worry, I don't want to destroy you. That dream about you bowing was never about you serving. It was about me saving. I didn't get it either. I didn't understand it either, guys. I didn't get it. I didn't get it. But what about the pit? No, 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 don't worry about the pit. What about the slavery? No, no, don't, don't worry about the slavery. But the enemy meant for evil. God is trying to open up a new dimension of ministry for many in this room right now. But I'm going ha- I'm to tell you right now, you've got to get your eyes off of the old wound of your brothers. And you've got to remember that it was God. I want every young person, young man, young lady, with a dream. I'm not asking if you got ability. I'm not asking if you can sing or preach. No, no, no. Can you dream? (laughs) If you can, I want you to throw your hands towards it.
about whether your mom likes it or not. Whether your brother likes it or not. Whether your sister likes it or not. dreamer be reminded tonight God sent me dream cling to the vision that God has given Now listen to me. Listen to me. Our spirits are open. But now comes vulnerability. Now comes vulnerability. Honesty. You're living right now in what feels like a pit or a prison season. You got to be honest. It's all over this house. Some of you feel like I could just call right now. You feel like you're in a pit. You got a vision. You've got a dream. But you got a pit that seems inescapable. Or a prison that seems undeniable. And none of this feels like the promise of God, but it's where you're living. And you'll be honest, even with all this good preaching you've heard for the last two days, it's where you feel like you're living. I want you to raise your hand real high. Don't be embarrassed. Raise your hand. That's the deception. That's the difference between them really 
Everybody find somebody else with their hand up and link up with them right now. I want you to help pray them up out of that pit. Pray them out of that prison. is temporary that prison is temporary become your platform your prison will become your podium of the ministry for the perfected. In the name of Jesus. Ah. temporary this prison is just for a season 